disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, let's get this party started. So we're talking to all of the candidates on the Republican side for governor in the state of Kentucky. Now, we're going to invite good old Governor Andy Dad Pants Bashir on the program, but he's probably going to say no. Whatever. He's free to come on, and I would love to ask him some questions. But guess what? Pretty much all of the Republican candidates have already agreed to be on the program, and we're just working our way through one by one. So I'm excited to bring on Alan Keck. Alan Keck is the mayor of Somerset, Kentucky, and he was one of the first Kentucky officials to actually challenge Governor Bashir's draconian shutdown mandates during the pandemic. He's a guy with a keen economic mind. He's got his city flourishing right on the border of eastern Kentucky. And the most interesting part of this conversation that I had with Mr. Keck was the conversation we had about revitalizing Eastern Kentucky. It's a hard question for every politician, and whenever I ask that, they usually offer platitudes. But wait until you hear what Alan Keck had to say about how to revitalize Eastern Kentucky in the wake of coal being shut down. It's pretty cool, and this is a great and fun conversation. You're going to enjoy every second of this. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Disruption Zone is brought to you by our friends at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Not just a home remodeling, kitchen remodeling company. They're the place that when I lived in Louisville, I trusted to remodel my kitchen and my master bathroom. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. The craftsmanship, the hard work ethic, the honesty and integrity, and all the choices for affordable prices. LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. Call my friend Tim Montgomery over there. Talk to their designers, 502-930-3304. That's 502-930-3304. If you have already got in mind what you want to do and you want to do it yourself and you just need the cabinets, they have so many styles to choose from, modern, shaker, traditional, country, whatever you need in all kinds of colors. Plus, they can do a custom cut for you for your granite or any other type of hard surface countertop and if you want a turnkey kitchen remodel boom they'll come in to help you design it get it all done the way you want it done i'm confident it's the reason or one of the reasons why my home sold in less than a day because of the beautiful work by louisville cabinets and countertops check them out louisville cabinets and countertops.com 6200 hit lane in louisville kentucky if you're in southern indiana central kentucky uh, Oldham County, this is your place. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. We're also brought to you by Bourbon City Golf Carts. Established in 2018, this is going to be your golf cart central. If you're thinking about bopping around the neighborhood in a cool golf cart or even taking your own cart to the, to the club or to the, uh, to the course, getting it done, listen, man, they've got so many great uh, carts in their inventory and it doesn't really matter what your budget is on this. They can get you taken care of from something that's slightly used to something that's brand new to something that's custom. Cool colors, cool wheels. I mean, pretty much anything you can think of when it comes to an awesome golf cart. So many people are buying these just to bop around their neighborhood in, hang out, you know, in those great summer nights to get the kids and just run around without actually having to get into the car. It's pretty awesome. So check out Bourbon City Golf Carts. They're at 502-718-0757. That's 502-718-0757. And you can find them at bourboncitygolfcarts.com. 
Proud to have them sport sponsoring the Disruption Zone. And now for our guest and today's conversation. Man, I'm excited to have my friend Alan Keck uh, on the program. Um, mayor of it's Somerset, right? And still mayor, yes, still mayor. So you've been. Have you? Is this your second term? Yeah, now now get to say two term mayor, which yeah. is fun. Continuing uh, <laughs> the opportunity to get to lead and serve my hometown, man, it's been pretty cool. And now you're thinking about jumping into the governor's race. One thing that I've always admired about you, uh, you you went toe to toe on some of the restrictions the governor was trying to put on businesses, small businesses throughout the state in your city. Um, is that part of what's motivating you to do what you're doing now? Because you don't feel like the fight's over, or what? You know, speak from the heart about that. Yeah, I mean, a couple things. I do think we were, were we were first, candidly, and that that's not really a, you know, that won't buy me a cup of coffee. But I do think it allows folks to know where I stand when things are tough. We did advocate to not just save lives but livelihoods because we were catching the phone calls from you know working families, single moms that were saying, "Hey, look, for the first time in our life, we need we need our government to do something for us. We can't work." We can't get unemployment. We don't know how we're going to pay our bills. Right. And so we fought pretty hard, but, you know, it wasn't just getting up there and, and screaming. We actually submitted real plans. So, you know, to the extent that um, I still feel that and remember it, sure, that's not the, the real genesis for the run. Um, you know, at the end of the day, for me, Kentucky is an incredible place, but we're not reaching our potential. Yeah. Okay. And we, we haven't for a long, long time. And I want to spend a little time talking about that because I think the other side of where your passion lies is economics. And and I definitely no I definitely want to get into that because Somerset is right there on the border of eastern Kentucky. And I ask every gubernatorial candidate that comes on my show, I've asked every major um, candidate that's going to run for uh, either a statewide office or or, you know, a federal office from Kentucky. What are you going to do about helping eastern Kentucky reach its full potential? So I want to come back to that. So let's put a post note in that. Okay. But just staying on the uh, on the pandemic, this governor, Governor Bashir, he was horrible. He was probably one of the worst in the country. I mean, one of the first reactions that he had was to send the Kentucky State Police to churches that were having meetings outside, by the way, with PA systems and write down people's license plates. And even the state police didn't feel comfortable doing that, although they did it because the governor told them to. But I mean, th this guy's gut reaction was comply 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 shut down shut down shut down shut down and it has had a reverberating lasting effect on the economy of kentucky which already struggles oh there's no doubt about it i mean it sent state troopers to churches did so on easter sunday yeah uh, right mind you um and it was almost as if you know we we tried to find everywhere to keep things shut down in kentucky you know, look, the first several weeks of this thing were scary for everybody. Sure, and there's yeah. been there's been a ton of people play revisionist history. Uh, what what I was proud of with our advocacy is as new data came in, we adjusted. Right. You know, and that's the thing to me, the sign of a leader is when you learn something new, it's okay to change your mind. Right. It's okay to shift courses. And, uh, you know, so we did that. We did it aggressively. Uh, but the economic impact that you speak of, look, Kentucky's 48th or 49th in workforce participation. And I don't hear him talking about it. I don't hear a lot of these candidates talking about that, you know, outside of a talking point here and there. We have way too many Kentuckians sitting at the House. And, you know, part of that that habit started when the feds were pumping all this money in. They were doing the 600 a week, and then yeah. it went to 300 a week. Yeah. And every governor around us cut that 300 a week off, and Governor Bashir kept it. And I think it propagated a, a, a workforce that's got bad habits. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I – 
it's happened in other states around the country, but to your point, I felt like watching it, even from afar, because my listeners know I live in Colorado most of the time now, still very tied to Kentucky. Um, it's my home, and it will always be my home. But watching it from afar, from a decidedly a liberal state in which we had a governor who did better <laughs> than, than Bashir did as a far-left liberal, and I think the difference was that you know, the governor of Colorado understood on no uncertain terms. If you shut everything down, a state that runs on tourism, everything goes away. Now, Kentucky's not necessarily a tourism Mecca, though it could be, I think, if we did the right things. But it's not right now a tourism Mecca. But it seemed as though Bashir just never got that. And you mentioned earlier kind of adjusting to the science what is it like now as this science is coming out that is showing us that masks didn't work, shutdowns didn't work, we've never handled a pandemic this way? What does that feel like now looking back as that science has come around to what we were adjusting to? Well, in, in so many ways, it feels like, you know, we were kind of right from the start. Uh, you know, when I said there, there's no such thing as risk elimination, right. just risk mitigation. Um, and, you know, while the state... Uh, isn't reaching its potential on tourism. You know, Somerset relies on it. It's one of the largest economic drivers because of Lake Cumberland. We have 4 right. million people a year coming to this area. Um, I, I think the other component is just this this notion of government continuing to pick winners and losers. Yeah. You know, the big the big box stores were absolutely flooded with folks, but mom and pops couldn't, couldn't open it all. And, you know, if you look at the sponsors on your Little League team, it's small business, right? It's people where the dollar stays in that community. And that's the person that got hurt the most. Yeah. And that's also the person that I was, you know, probably fighting for the most, um, you know, beauticians, chiropractors. I mean, for goodness sakes, you couldn't go to the chiropractor, the eye doctor, or the dentist in Kentucky. Right. And, you know, these are doctor's offices, but you could sure walk into the liquor store and yeah. that might sound like a talking point, but it's a sad reality here. Yeah. Or was. Yeah, we were we were laughing in Colorado because they did do some shutdowns and, and the governor here who did better than Kentucky's governor, but he kind of left it to local municipalities. And some of those local municipalities here in Colorado are... <laughs> For lack of a better term, they're bat nut crazy. I mean, <laughs> they are, you know, these ski towns that are populated by far lefties from California that come here to spend their vacation time. And it was kind of funny because we were like, man, you could walk in to get your dispensary and get a couple doobies <laughs> for almost nothing. But you, you can't go to the doctor. You can't go to, you, you know, you could barely just go to the grocery store. It didn't make any sense. So. Um, oh, when folks look back on this in 20 and 30 years, they're really going to think we were nuts. Yeah. Uh, you know, we did advocate, though. I'm proud of, uh, you know, heck, the New York Times picked up a piece we did about, you know, how the heartland is different yeah. and why local control mattered. Yeah. And I think it, it should be a lesson. You know, there, there's a lesson in this pandemic for our whole country yeah. on that, you know, top-down leadership from Washington is not healthy for society. And even then, you know, state governments with too much power. And so I always say now, like, let's not wait from crumbs from D.C. or Frankfurt to save us. Yeah. You know, we, we've got to make decisions in, in our own communities to kind of control our own destiny. And that's what we tried to do in COVID. And that's what we've tried to do economically since. Well, so let's get into this um, from an economic standpoint. You did mention that Somerset is kind of the gateway to the tourism of Kentucky. I mean, obviously, there's two different. Well, there's three different branches of tourism, right, in Kentucky. There's the Bourbon Trail, which here in Colorado, I hear a lot about from my friends. They're like, what's that like? I want to go. I want to go. You know, and I'm like, dude, it's a well worth your investment. You, you'll you see some of the most beautiful country in the, in the, in the world, and uh, you'll meet some of the friendliest people in the world, and you'll taste the best bourbon, 
right? <laughs> That's um, right. So there's that. There's horse racing, obviously, which is huge. I'm from Jesmond County, so you know, big part of my life growing up. And then, um, and then you've got Eastern Kentucky, Appalachia, the mountains, uh, re- whitewater rafting, C- Lake Cumberland, Cumberland Falls. So you've got the three different pillars of tourism in the state. There's a lot to work with there if it's done right, right? There's no question. And we continue to see this administration. Uh, his father did the same, pulling money out of tourism uh, and redirecting it instead of investing. I mean, if you look at East Tennessee, everybody likes talking about Gallenberg and Sevierville. Well, they spend more money in marketing than the entire state of Kentucky. And so, you know, if, if tourism is a priority for us, it's sure not reflected in the state budget. Uh, for us in Somerset, it has been. We love telling our story. Uh, but we've also grown at twice the state average. We just had a record year in tourism. Right. Uh, I, I think it's something that uh, we have to lean in on. Uh-huh. Uh, it's some of the things where we have natural assets uh, that are easy to sell and that the rest of the world can envy. I mean, we should be an absolute mecca right. of outdoor recreation. And I, I see no reason that shouldn't start in East Kentucky. Yeah, you've got you've got the uh, Rocky Mountain elk herd that was transplanted and is now um the the biggest most massive elk in the in the country that is now spilling over into other states in eastern kentucky so it's it's a mecca for that kind of hunting it's um but obviously tourism isn't the only answer for eastern kentucky so being the mayor of somerset how do we help eastern kentucky reach its full potential is it is it an infrastructure problem that we don't have the kind of highways and byways in and out of there that can facilitate um, setting up manufacturing situations down there that could take advantage of that incredible workforce that's now being phased out of coal? You, you know, that that's, gets discussed a lot. I, I think we have to be real honest about the fact that uh, it takes a couple hours to get to most places in it. It's incredibly remote. Yeah, uh, right. You know, we've got great roads, just not a lot of people on them. I, I think some of it has to ensure that the people that are still living there lead this conversation. You know, I, I know uh, from spending a lot of time with mayors in East Kentucky, they're sick of being told what to do by somebody from Frankfurt or Washington. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I can, t- I can tell you, you know, with passion, they're sick of being demonized. And I say, you know, they're demonized when they leave because they think they're sellouts. And then they're demonized when they stay because they say, well, why would you rebuild? There's nothing here for you. Right. Uh, we need to celebrate both of those decisions. You know, if somebody from East Kentucky wants to move to Northern Kentucky because there's a great job. They're still working in Kentucky, and they should be, you know, they should be praised. Right. Yeah. And if they want to stay, like some of my friends in Pineville, and rebuild and create a, a you know, a badass downtown for their citizens, which they've done. Right. They should be celebrated. Right. And I think they're ready to to kind of take control of their own destiny in some ways. And I, I say often, you know, we need to be really proud of who we are and stop apologizing for what we're not. Eastern Kentucky is unique. And it, 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 it'll never look like central Kentucky and it doesn't need to No, uh, there's, there's a model or an idea out of Michigan. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but they call it in the Northern part of the state, pure Michigan. Yeah. And I've they finally, yeah. you know, quit trying to, you know, make it a place where so many folks would live and just say, you know what, this is beautiful. Uh, there's a lot to do from a tourism standpoint. Why don't we just celebrate that? instead of trying to plug a hole in, you know, that, that probably won't work. Yeah. Um, specific to manufacturing. I mean, I do think there's a pathway for national defense or defense contractors that might want some isolation right. uh, to come in. And I think that that would be a, a lens I would, I would look through. Um, but I think we're just going to have to lean in for exactly what it is instead of trying to, you know, put a, a square in a round hole. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is relax into who you are. Celebrate your history. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that approach because as a libertarian, <laughs> I just don't think, I mean, it, it, there's really a lot more to be said for getting government out of the way than getting it involved. Um, and, and well, we've tried the dump money approach. I mean, right. we've been putting record money into this region for almost 40 years. Right. And it, it's still one of the second poorest. It, well, I think right now it's the second poorest congressional district in America. Right. And so, you know, continuing just to, to pound money is not necessarily the answer. Yeah. So what are they telling you about what they want to do to make it not the second poorest district in America? Well, I think a lot of it is sort of that lean in to, to local. Uh, if you look at some of the music that's coming out, I mean, we just had Stapleton. Oh, my gosh. At the Super Bowl, right? Was that amazing? Right? Oh, <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. How incredible. Oh, man. I'm going to see him in um, George Strait in Denver in June, and I freaking cannot wait. I'm just like, yeah, love it. That was, you know, awesome. so celebrating the music that's coming out of East Kentucky. Tyler Childress is blown up. Yeah. Um, you know, there's others. Uh, I think that that's a part of it. Country Music Highway 23 now. Um, you're starting to see uh, like massive investment in ATV trails. Uh, anything that uh, gets people there, but also still helps their locals, I- I'm hearing a lot of. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about regionalism. Instead of kind of, you know, in Kentucky forever, for those that don't know that aren't from here, there's 120 counties in Kentucky. Right. And historically, you know, there's been a lot of competition between them. Yeah. I think what we're learning now, especially in East Kentucky, is, hey, let's work together. Let's have these regional cooperatives. And then maybe instead of focused on competing against each other, let's start kicking Tennessee's butt. Yeah. You know, kicking Ohio, Indiana's butt. And uh, we're getting more cooperation amongst elected officials and then I guess the final component is, you know, this next generation from millennials on down to Z, we get, we get, we get hammered a lot about what we're not, but you know, what this, what these generations are is they care a lot about where things are made, how they're made. Uh, they'd much rather, you know, eat at a farm to table than a chain. Right. And I think that in and of itself can be a good thing for East Kentucky. You know, yeah. I look at a, a community like Corbin yeah, that for a long time was stale and stagnant. You know, right now you can go downtown Corbin and get two or three different meals that would rival anything you'd get in Lexington or Louisville. Yeah. yeah. And that's new and unique, and I, I think it's, it should be celebrated. There was uh, There's a restaurant in Stanford, Kentucky, that um, before— The Bluebird, you oh got to be God, talking about. Man. Yeah, and uh, got to know the chef there and where he came from and his background. And we would—when we were living in Louisville, we would drive all the way to Stanford almost every weekend— to get that food because it was so good and they had done such a good job with downtown and there were some shops and stuff. And so we'd make that big loop and, and just kind of, because I I'm from Jesmond County. So that whole, and my wife's from Marion County. So that whole central Kentucky region, if you want to call it, that is home to us. And so we, we love to just on a Saturday, you know, take in the sites, go and see beautiful central Kentucky and, and, and go downtown. And we would have a meal, like you said, that would rival anything we could get in Louisville or Lexington. So you're spot on about that. It's funny when you talk about 120 counties and regionalism, I always know when I run into a true Kentucky native, when I ask them where they're from, they tell me the County and not the city. Cause it's <laughs> like, yeah, you're like, I'm from Marion County or I'm, I'm from Pike County or whatever. It's like, if they say the County, then you know, they actually are a real native Kentuckian, like generationally a Kentuckian. Um, but, but yeah, it, to your point about that regionalism, it's kind of interesting because Kentucky also has, we mentioned the three pegs of tourism, it's got three distinct geographical cultural regions, right? Central Kentucky is obviously horse and bourbon country. Eastern Kentucky is obviously, you know, you can grow hemp there and you've got the mountains and the beauty and the scenery. And Western Kentucky is farming and, and ranching. And so 
there, there's also three different regions that have entirely different things to offer and almost completely different cultures, right? No, no question. You know, I would add or argue maybe even a fourth if you if you lump in Louisville and then the northern Kentucky boom. Right. Of what's become sort of the logistical hub of America. Yeah, um, that's a good point. It yeah. is very different. Um, you know, actually, we did a rebrand in Somerset and we talked about those four things and why, you know, why they were unique to Kentucky. Um, we, we color coded each one of them, if you will. So West was was yellow with art and agriculture. East was green naturally for the, you know, the Appalachian region and the beauty and southern shorelines of Kentucky. And then the north was purple. And that's the economy. We yeah. do have a couple strong economic engines. You know, that's something else we've got to acknowledge is we need a strong and safe Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Tennessee has Nashville. Uh, but 50 years ago, Louisville and Nashville were pure cities. And now there's very few that would equate the two. Uh, so I, I think we need to be cognizant of that. And that's why, you know, public safety is a big issue for me uh, because we don't need to be making national news for murder in Louisville and Lexington. We need to be celebrating, you know, bourbon and sports. I love and, that you I love that you brought that up, having lived in Louisville for six, seven years, um, being from more in the Lexington sort of metro area and having worked in radio in Lexington for seven or eight years as well. And um, the the two cities couldn't be more different and apart. And I know my friends in Louisville are very concerned about what's happening there. And it, it and you, you brought up the comparison with Nashville. That was another thing my wife and I would do is on the weekends we would escape to Nashville because – the vibrancy of that city was so much different. Not that Louisville isn't a vibrant city. It is. And there's a lot that Louisville has to offer. It's a wonderful city. It's a great American city, in my opinion. But there's no reason why it couldn't be. Because right now, if you talk to people like out west, like where I'm at now, I mean, people are still moving to Colorado. But a lot of people are trying to get the hell out of, you know, California. And where are they going? They're 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 slowing down their exodus to Colorado. It's been a lot to Colorado, but a lot of them are going. I and I know several people, friends of mine, that I talk to in the media that have left California for Nashville specifically. Um, so they're going to Texas. They're going to, to Tennessee. Um, why can't Kentucky get some of those people that are recognizing that they don't want that big government anymore, and 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 make that happen? And Louisville and Lexington could be those places. Yeah, we can. And, and we Somerset, should. too, by the way. Somerset. Well, you know, we've been successful in it. I mean, we just recruited the corporate headquarters from Fresno to Somerset, Kentucky. They're a logistics company. They moved 20 families to Somerset, mm. you know, spent millions of dollars on homes, which they thought they were getting a steal. And, <laughs> you know, we're, we're thrilled for the influx. Right. Uh, we've seen a, a, a really strong push from, you know, California, Washington, a little bit from Arizona. Um, and I think the rest of Kentucky needs to capture that. We need to market ourselves. I use the phrase come to Kentucky where the quality of life's double and the cost of living's half <laughs> because it's true. <laughs> you know, you, they think they're going to get something decent. You can get a dream home for the money. These people are you know, moving out of an average house. for. Yeah. I love it. And I, I, love I think it. it's another, another vision for East Kentucky is the people that do want slow, that do want space and land. Uh, why not come to Eastern Kentucky where it's as pretty as anywhere in the, in the world, I'll say, certainly America, and you're not going to find anywhere cheaper to build. If we'll invest in this, I'm going to use a different term than infrastructure, quality of place, quality of life infrastructure, you know, the amenities that make people want to live in a spot, yeah. which is that that community of the downtown, that quaint thing you're talking about in Stanford. Yeah. Because yeah. community is not just a place, right? It's a feeling. Yeah. Uh, it's 100%. a sense of belonging. Yeah. 
And I think we can have that throughout our Commonwealth. I love it. I know it. we can. I love it. Okay, so I got to ask you a question. I've asked every gubernatorial candidate and every governor of Kentucky going back to, well, certainly Steve Bashir. I actually sat in his office with him and um, had worked with a couple of state legislators on a plan. They did the math because I'm terrible at math. But I have wanted to eliminate the income tax in the state of Kentucky. You mentioned Tennessee. <laughs> you mentioned Nashville. You mentioned the growth spurt that's down there. And a lot of that is due to the fact that they don't have any income taxes in the state of no Tennessee. Doubt. And, um, you know, Governor Bevan, he said he was for it. He was moving us in that direction. Um, in some ways, the legislature wasn't really playing along. It, now they seem to be kind of on board with the idea. Um, you know, Steve Bashir met with me. Um Andy Bashir wouldn't take my call, but nonetheless, I've I've pestered every single governor candidate, every single governor. Are you on board with that idea of phasing out Kentucky's income tax, moving to a more broad-based consumption tax, and putting us on par with states like uh like uh you know you know Texas and 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 uh, Wyoming and um, other states that are growing at a very rapid pace, Arizona, Florida, Florida that don't have an income tax. Not only am I on board, you're not going to have to pester me. It's a part of the cake game plan. <laughs> Sweet. You know, I'm the only only candidate in this race with a full platform. So mm. a shameless plug, if folks want to go to keckforkentucky.com, yes. they can read our full platform. Uh, we have to. You know, that to me, this is not even a discussion of if. It's how fast can we do it. Right. And, you know, the legislature has passed some legislation that will stair-step us down. They think that's the most responsible way. I'm okay with that as long as we don't, you know, hit a roadblock and then get stuck at three and a half percent because yeah. then, yeah. you know, it's just kind of in this no man's land of, well, it's better, but it's not attractional enough for the real growth that we have to have. Yeah. You know, the reality for Kentucky is we just left the second slowest decade of growth in a hundred years. Yeah. That, 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 that's the fact. Yeah. And we're not going to have a robust economy with four and a half million people if almost half of them aren't working. Yeah. Tennessee and Indiana have 7 million because of their tax comment, because of some of the ability to control their own destiny. You know, the other thing that these states have uh, most often is a local option. And, you know, if you go to Nashville, the state of Tennessee is getting 7%, but Nashville is keeping a percent or two. Right. And that then allows them to reinvest. Cities yeah. like Louisville and Lexington, Somerset, we don't have that potential. Yeah. And, you know, I think it holds us back. Yeah, there's got to be some changes structurally there. And I'll be honest with you, uh, and I'll make a suggestion to you. If you get in office, I want you to call some folks at a, a place called the Independence Institute in Colorado. Despite how lefty and wild, nut job crazy our state legislature is, we have a libertarian leftist governor who is ratcheting down, supporting ratcheting down, has come out in favor of eliminating the income tax and supporting ratcheting down. And we've been doing it through ballot measures. And we've been uh, um, the, the four years that I've lived in this state, the tax rate, the income tax rate has actually gone down each year. Now, they're feeing the hell out of us. But, you know, the income tax is going down. If we can do it in this environment. Kentucky can definitely do it. And if you, those guys are the architects of what they call the path to zero, there might be a lot to learn from meeting up with them and seeing what they're doing in that atmosphere and continuing to push for it and getting people on board with it. Because when you start talking about it and framing it as, I want to cut your taxes, most of the voters are 100% on board. So um, definitely would be happy to connect you with those guys. If you get elected, meet with them and see if there's something we can take from what they're doing. No, I would love to. I think anytime we can learn from others, share best practices, I'm for it. Yeah, so I got to know Alan Keck, mayor of Somerset, running for governor of Kentucky. We've talked a lot about the beauty of Eastern Kentucky. Um, what does Alan Keck do for fun? What do you do 
when you don't have to put on the suit and go downtown and meet with folks <laughs> and campaign and mayor stuff around, what do you do when you're just being Alan Keck? Oh gosh, I've forgotten what that's like, I think, but no, I, uh, I mean, right now, Sunday, we call it family fun day. So I've got three kids. I don't get to see them much six days a week, but we've, we've put a pretty much a hard stop on anything on Sundays other than family time. Um, you know, in a normal life, I, I love a good bourbon. You know, I, I, how can, how can you not as a Kentuckian, um, in, in the, in the summer, I'll put it on a big cube in the winter. I drink it neat. Uh, so, you know, love the history and the heritage behind that. Um, enjoy playing golf. I don't get to do it a lot, uh, but I do love to play. Um, I'll tell you where I, I sort of find my, my Zen or my peace, my quiet time right now is three days a week. I still get in the, get in the weight room and yeah. bang around some weights, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but That's you awesome. know, I, um, if family and friends are important to me. I, I think that, you know, balance is kind of key and I'm blessed with a lot of friendships. What's that, your, what's your uh, warm up routine to your weightlifting? Like how do you how do you get loosened up? Well, I start with uh, either some West Wing or a little bit of Bible time and a coffee. Okay. You know, I tell people if you're gonna if you're gonna go to the gym in the morning, you can't just roll out of bed and go. Uh, you gotta yeah. you gotta have about thirty minutes to wake up. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, it's just kind of a little bit of band work, and then I get after it. Yeah, yeah. I actually I actually take my dog for a run. That's my that's my juice up. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, we go for about a mile and a half run. He's a he's a husky border collie mix, and he demands no matter whether it's. I mean, tomorrow we're going to be sitting in a 15 inch snowstorm, and he's going to tell me we're going running. So I don't know how I'm going to figure <laughs> oh, that out, cool. but we're going to do it. But that gets me loosened up for the gym. You hunt or fish or anything like that? No, I don't. Which I know, you know, a lot of Kentuckians are like, man, this guy. I just, you know, I grew <laughs> up in a divorced home. My pop worked all the time, and so I was never really exposed to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, since I've gotten elected mayor, I, I've I've made some friends that. Uh, love the outdoors and are avid outdoorsmen, and so it's it's given me some exposure. I went turkey hunting twice in the last four years. Nice, Can you believe that. Yeah, it's awesome. uh, I'm one for two. I'm one for two. Um, hit my first one, missed my second one. I said, "Look, this makes me a Hall of Famer statistic. I'm going to hang it up." <laughs> 50, <laughs> but 50. you know, I love uh, I love getting out and you know jumping on a razor and um, yeah. you know gator or something and, and hitting the trails. That's kind of been fun. Well, come too. out here. It's I'll take a, you on an elk hunt. We'll, we'll go. That'd be cool. Out. Yeah, come out here. That'd and do be cool. That. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot, and this might be the hardest question I ask you of the entire interview. Okay, because I know as a politician, it's hard to you know really put your money where your mouth is on certain. Oh, issues. I know this is coming. Or I think I do. Go ahead. I'm gonna ask you if you got a favorite bourbon, and you're willing to mention it. Because you were gonna, oh, you wow. thought I was gonna ask you UK or U of L, didn't you? I'm not. I'm gonna I let did. you. Out, I'm gonna let you out of that one. I did. <laughs> I'm gonna let you out of that one. But I want to know the bourbon. <laughs> well, I've got to give a plug to my guys at Horse Soldier. I mean, they've, oh, they've nice. chosen my com- they've chosen my community to uh, to spend a couple hundred million dollars. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely first. I- I'll say this: if I'm gonna pick any distillery because of the depth of their products, you know, the stuff that, that Heaven Hill produces is just oh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, from, from Henry McKenna to Elijah Craig to, you know, some of their specialty stuff, love heaven Hill juice, you know, Buffalo trace has so many offerings that are all good. Blanton's Weller, I, I've got a, um, EH Taylor. I've got a, I'll send you a picture of my bourbon, uh, my bourbon section in my kitchen. I've got a bourbon wall. I got a custom built shelf, uh, in my cabinetry and, uh, my Elijah Craig sits right out front and center. That's the one I like the most. Um, well, if I was going to tell somebody that was kind of starting, like, what's the best value in bourbon? 
Yeah. Um, I always go to Elijah Craig and then I'll say the best bourbon for the money in the world is Elijah Craig barrel proof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you can still occasionally find it on the shelf. It's a 12 year barrel strength, incredibly produced whiskey. Um, so bang for the buck, uh, that I love the barrel proof horse soldier too. You know, it's still young, but man, it's, it's good. And when that thing is, uh, full-time made in Somerset and, and aged in Kentucky. It's going to be special, special That's awesome. Product. I love it. Alan, we'll talk more, I'm sure. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you popping on with us on the No, thanks zone. for having me. It's, it's been a treat. All right, brother. Have a great one. Big thanks to Alan Keck for coming on the program. I really thought his answer about Eastern Kentucky was fascinating, and I'll give him some points on the bourbon answer, too. In our next episode, we're going to talk to my friend, and TV star, reality TV star, Todd Hoffman from Hoffman Family Gold. He was actually the original creator of the show Gold Rush on History Channel. So if you watch or Discovery Channel. So if you watch that, he is awesome. I love this guy. Discovery Channel really edited him to make him look silly and stupid. But in reality, I've always known he was a very smart guy. And he embodies the American spirit of hard work, risk taking and getting stuff done. You're going to enjoy that conversation in our next episode of The Disruption Zone. Today's amazing episode was brought to you by Bourbon City Golf Carts. Check them out at bourboncitygolfcarts.com, Louisville's one-stop destination, and Southern Indiana, by the way. One-stop destination for awesome golf carts from slightly used to brand new, from regular to custom-built to awesome wheels and beautiful colors. These are your new convenient way to get around your neighborhood. You can talk to the folks at Bourbon City Golf Carts today by calling 502-718-0757. But I encourage you to check out their website at bourboncitygolfcarts.com because you can see their inventory all right there. Services that they offer, you can even rent them. Hey, you want to rent one for a special upcoming golf outing and see how you like it and then go and buy one and all their inventory again is available for you online at bourboncitygolfcarts.com. So check them out and again... We are super excited to have Bourbon City Golf Carts as a sponsor of the Disruption Zone. They're at 502-718-0757. We're also excited to be sponsored by Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. My friend Tim Montgomery at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops did our kitchen and our master bathroom in our house in Oldham County, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Such awesome work, such craftsmanship, such work ethic, and great prices, and from start to finish, if you want a, a designer to just take it over and do it all for you, or you consult and they do all the work, or if you're doing it yourself, they've got those options too. Any kind of cabinet you're looking for, style, they've got it mostly in stock. They don't have any problems with supply chain crisis. They're there for you, and they can get that done. Plus, if you want a custom cut of any type of solid stone, they've got that for you as well. Go to LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com, 502-930-3304, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, at 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, if you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or Odom County, this is your place for the kitchen remodel. Thanks, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. And thank you for listening to The Disruption Zone. You can follow us on Instagram. It's at Greatly Londo. And on Twitter, it's at Leland Show. You can also download us for free and subscribe for free from iHeartRadio's podcast. Just search podcast for Leland Conway or Disruption Zone, but it'll come right up. You can also download us for free and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts and Google Play. It's pretty awesome. Super easy to get fresh new episodes sent right to your pocket. Big thanks to um, Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky, for all the work they do with the audio side of this program. If you're looking for some help with audio digitizing old videotapes or you got a major Hollywood-type project, 
dxaudio.com. Dynamics Audio Productions and Neil Kesterson and his crew can get it done for you. And thank you again so much for listening to The Disruption Zone. Over 100,000 downloads and counting. I am Leland Conway. This is The Disruption Zone.